Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Then I read I can do all things through Christ. That strengthens me. I began to look and see the possibilities. And this is why you have to read God's word. This is why you got to meditate on his word day and night. And this is why you have to open your heart to the spirit of the Lord and allow the Lord to speak to your heart. There are some things that God has ordained for you that no one else on the planet can do. Why? Because you were created for that purpose. Sunday Supper and time to feast on God's Word. Sunday Supper is a ministry of Christ Church for the End Times. Christ Church for the End Times is a non-denominational teaching church ministry. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for life and ministry during the times in which we live. Join us on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. for a dynamic, practical, engaging, and life-changing Bible study. And on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for a weekly church service. But for now, let's feast at the Lord's table. Here's today's message, already in progress. God has a plan for us, and his plan for us doesn't all the time include everything going to go perfectly for you. And you have no pain, no trouble, no sorrow. You're going to have to live a life. And I think I was telling this, uh, that story because when my wife and I got married, we wanted to make sure our children didn't start off that same way. And we knew in order to do that, we had to do things not our way, but God's way. I look at my family, and my wife's family was different, at least at a point. But my, my family wasn't what you would call a godly family. Oh, we play God. I mean, we... I would say play God. We go to church occasionally. I was from a family that lived life. And some of them lived rough life. I remember when my mom would sell moonshine to try to make some money <laughs> in order to take care of 10, 12, and 13 children. And a lot of things, because people, cause I'm going to tell you, life is a tough one. Life will beat up on you. And sometimes our bad choices will compound one another. And when you're a, a parent and you're just trying to, you know, just make sure clothes is on the back and, and, sh- and shoes are on the feet and food is on the table, and it seems as if that's just not going to work out for you, and you're doing some things that you would pray that your children would never do in order just to put some food on the table, well, you've got to make some tough decisions. And sometimes for the average person going to church, you know, we'll do that when we get time. But you got to understand, that's not the best approach. And that's what many of us are doing in life. We want to deal with life, and then we will deal with the church and the things of God. 
That's like putting the cart before the horse. I know it doesn't seem right. I know it seems somewhat antithetical to the situations and circumstances that you're facing. But from experience, I can tell you, you got to put God first and let God do all those other things. And this is part of what we're going to be talking about. But I'll finish up my little story with me and my lovely bride over there. We decided that we were going, we were going to put God first. We were going to make sure that our children had a relationship with the Lord. We were going to make sure that, and I, and I kind of figured out that we not only need to have this relationship between ourselves, we also need to make sure that God was first, and we literally view God as the foundation that we build everything else upon. So in addition to that relationship with the Lord, we knew that we had to do something in order to impact our community. Because if you can have the best family in the world, and then if your community is in chaos, the external forces is impacting the things that, that's going on in your, in your household. You don't have to believe you just go to Chicago and on the south side or whatever and go to some places there or some places down in Jacksonville and uh, live in some of those neighborhoods and see how the, your surroundings can impact you. And so you can't live your life insulary and isolated from everything just me and me and Jesus or just me and my family it just doesn't work that way you got to do something to change your world this is why this ministry go all around the world it doesn't matter whether people are here or not it's not it's not a and my wife says all the time it's not about numbers it's about acts and so our job is to be faithful nor was the only person on the planet that God trusted it wasn't his, his sons or his son's wives. It wasn't his wife. It was Noah. God trusted. The Bible says God found favor in the heart of Noah. And then those individuals that, that was in Noah's orbit had to make a determination that they were going to support Noah. And it's through that support we're here today. Because of one person, in spite of what everybody else was doing, one person decided that they were going to put God first in their life. It wasn't just Noah. We talked about Abraham. Abraham, and it was Abraham at the time, left everything that he knew, his family and what have you. One person out of everyone else on the planet, he had to determine whether no one else served God, whether no one else was obedient to God, I choose God. And that's what each of us is going to have to do. The Bible says, whosoever will, let him come. So this is not about a collective thing. It's about a personal thing. It's about a personal relationship with the Lord. And so that's what we decided to do. My wife and I decided to do. We put God first. We did whatever we could. We gave back to, and I don't like that word gave back. We gave and poured into our community. And we helped everyone that we could along the way. And when we were struggling financially, and we didn't have money or what have you, it was a hard thing for us to do to pay tithe. And I'm going to tell you, I tried not to, not intentionally not to. I said, when you had bills to pay, and when you, and you write a check, they don't do much of that nowadays, but you write a check and you think you're going to get some money to the bank before the check get to the bank, and then you end up paying more for the NSF insufficient fund fees than the check that you wrote been there done that multiple times and now I found out that the, and, and, I remember having this conversation the check was in the bank 
and the deposit was in the bank and I still got charged a fee because they, uh, they processed the check first and then processed the deposit. It was a thing in order to get a little more money out of you. And this is why the Bible says, he that have shall be given. He that have not, even that which you have shall be taken away. So that's why you got to do it God's way. And so when I was trying to, trying to pay bills first and then, then give tithe or pay tithe, what we say, you don't really pay tithes in reality. You bring tithes. But that's a little aside. And one day, I, you know, I think me and my wife was having this other conversation. Regardless of what, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to, Hey, we're gonna. When we were saying that, we're gonna pay our tithe and our offerings, whether nothing else get paid. And believe me, we brought tithe and offerings into the church, and nothing else got paid. Really, I, and, and when it comes to community, I was I volunteered work for Habitat for Humanity. I designed and built houses that was much better than what I was living in, but I didn't have any money to do anything else. But I knew one thing. As I began to read God's word, I saw the principles of God. And the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running over, shaken together. And as we faithfully paid our tithe, God began to increase. You start having less bounce checks. Because <laughs> you got to work yourself out of the muck and the mire. And we would build the habitat houses. And, and I can remember... Uh, it was, it was a, just a team of folks, and one person was, was complaining, man, this house better than mine. We, folk, they don't need this, this, this kind of house. And my heart was, I did not want to build not one thing. To that, from the time I started to present, it's still my philosophy. I don't want to build nothing that if push come to shove, if I have to live in it myself, I will be proud of moving into it. I will be proud of living in it. And so, therefore, I made sure it looked great. I made sure that it was built properly and what have you. So if push come to shove, if I was in there, and I didn't just do it in case I was in there, I did it because it was right and because it honored God to do it. And one day I got a call, and the person, well, the person asked me to volunteer for Habitat, and I did. And that person was the president of a bank. And make a long story, long story short, when, and we was in the little house because my lovely bride, she always wanted a house. And I was okay living in the projects <laughs> or living in an apartment. I had a shelter, but not my bride. She wanted a house. Why? Because her parent owned, owned a house. My parents was not even renters. At one point we was, but we was on public assistance. When I got saved, I was living in a five-bedroom house, two baths, and was paying $0 per month. Didn't even have to pay power bill or water bill. I was living on the government dole when I got saved. I didn't have a job. Didn't really need one. And was getting, at that time we didn't have food stamps. We would go there and get commodities and, there, and, and go pick up the food and bring it to the house. And saints, I'm going to tell you, that's bondage. And it's bondage because it scraps your, your, just your personage. Your ability to risk and to achieve and to do things right and so forth. And to work. And the Bible says if they don't work, don't let them eat. And when I began to, when I got saved, I began to read the word. And I was getting a check every month. And the, and the Lord convicted me. And said, why are you doing that? They're like, you're stealing. You can work. 
And all of a sudden, you had, to, you had to go down and sign the paper for the check to continue to come. And I didn't go down and sign the paper, so the check stopped. And I, call, and I tried to find out why the, why the check didn't come. And he said, well, you, you have to come down to sign. And from that day to this, I never went down to sign that paper. Did I struggle? Yes. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And God changed my life. My life would not be what it is today if I did not choose to do things, not my way, but God's way. And that's what each of us have to do. So when we're talking about being empowered, we have to understand that God has empowered us far beyond our abilities. As long as I was on the public dole and doing the welfare thing and all this other kind of stuff, I didn't have to look at the power and the abilities, my capabilities, whatever that I had within myself. And this is what I'm saying is robs you. It robs you of that insight and that ability to do such things. Then I read I can do all things through Christ. That strengthens me. I began to look and see the possibilities. And this is why you have to read God's word. This is why you got to meditate on his word day and night. And this is why you have to open your heart to the spirit of the Lord and allow the Lord to speak to your heart. Because there are some things that God has ordained for you that, that, that no one else on the planet can do. Why? Because you were created for that purpose. So we could give you our first scriptures. <laughs> ramble on a little bit but jeremiah 11 and i meant 29 and 11 is my my lovely bride's one of her favorite scriptures let me just share it with you because we are talking about at this juncture that god has a plan and jeremiah 29 and 11 says i know the thoughts and and, and that word thoughts translates into plans he said, I know the thoughts or the plans that I think or that I have towards you, saith the Lord. This is not my plan. It's talking about his plan. He said, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. God has an expected end for you. God has a plan for how you're going to end up in life. So we got to determine whether we are going to do things according to our plans or according to God's plan. I shared the stories with you early because my wife and I, we had to determine and decide that we're going to do things according to God's plan. This is why we always go to church. Our children have always gone to church while it was under our roof. Everyone went to church. We didn't just send our children to church. We went to church. When they was born, they was born in the church. Not literally, because my daughter almost. <laughs> when you trust God, God will do some things in your life that you cannot imagine because it's about relationship with the Lord and it's about his love that he has for you. But God has a plan for us. All those things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the call according to not their purpose, but his purpose. And then Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, God has a plan. And so you got to know that God has a plan and that you're a part of his plan. And uh, uh, Philippians... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In chapter 4 and verse 12 says, I know both how to be a base and how, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And so I lived out this scripture and I shared a few things with you. And Paul was talking about, you know, I've been shipwrecked. I had my stomach full. I was, didn't know where my next meal was coming from and all this stuff. When I got saved, they said, well, you come to the Lord and all your problems will be over. They lied. <laughs> Maybe not intentionally. But the Bible says they that live godly in Christ Jesus, not might, not may, but shall suffer persecution. You're going to go through some things. Because you're going to go through things in the spiritual realm. You're going to go through things in the natural realm. In the natural realm, because there are just certain challenges of life. In the spiritual realm, the enemy do not want us to be committed to the Lord. He will do any and everything he can to prevent that from happening. He don't want to go to hell by himself. He wants you to accompany him. And we got to determine whether or not we're going to do things our way or whether we're going to do them the devil's way or whether or not we're going to do them God's way. And every believer has to be committed to doing things God's way. And that means many times you're going to pay some sacrifice. You're going to make some sacrifice. But you got to be committed. The Bible tells us if we're going to follow him, we got to deny ourselves of everything, even our very lives. And this is why I tell people, if you're not willing to die for the Lord, then you're not ready to serve him. Because the devil will get you to a place when it comes to either you living or you dying and serving the Lord. And if you're talking about yourself, you leave God there hanging and you will do whatever it is. Believe it or not, that's what Adam did. The Bible says Eve was deceived. She was fooled into, and you know I'm saying food tricked into eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Adam wasn't. Adam chose to do it. The scripture doesn't tell us why. I can speculate. And my speculation is because he so loved Eve. And he believed God. And he knew that if God says, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Adam knew that she was going to surely die because he knew that God wasn't going to lie. See, Adam had this relationship with God long before Eve. Or some period of time before Eve. So Adam knew God. He wasn't deceived. He chose to. And I'll just put it this way. Because of his love for her, he chose. And again, gospel according to Pastor Bennett, this is not quantified in scripture. But because he loved Eve, he was, go he was willing to die with Eve. And he did. The interesting thing, the, the scripture called Jesus Christ the second Adam. So the first Adam died with his wife. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, died for his wife. That's the difference. One was their own plan. The second, according to the plan of God. This is why you look at the life of Jesus Christ. He said, I do what my father, what I saw my father do. I do what my father said to do. Jesus did everything according to the plan of God. And if we're going to be successful in life, you're going to have to do things God's way, not your way. You got to do things according to the plan of God. The question for all of us is that are we going to do things our way or are we going to do them 
God's way. The thing we got to understand as people of God, you are already empowered. God has already empowered us to execute his will. God has empowered you to do the things that he's laid to your charge to do. I know in the church many times we say we're little worms and, and we are no power. The devil is, is all is powerful than we are and, and God is all power but the devil is power. All that, all that stuff is religious goo. You got to understand if the devil had that much more power over you, you wouldn't be you. Again, the devil will have us going literally all of us. They will, the devil is merciless. You think he's going to let you have a good life? No, not the devil. If he just had that much power and control and influence. No, you have a will. You have a will and you have the ability to execute that will because God gave it to you. And God has empowered, authorized, and and invested in you the ability and the capabilities to do everything that you were destined and born to do. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, and this is when when Jesus had 70, actually, depends on how you read the story, 82 to 84 followers. And I tell people the first church split in Christianity was with Jesus Christ. <laughs> so Jesus fed the 5,000 and all the thousands and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. They wasn't a part of the church. They were going along for the ride, for the food, and to look at the miracles and all that other kind of stuff. But along the way, he picked up first the 12, and then another 70 at least after them. And what Jesus did is taught them how to execute his will. And then Jesus empowered them to execute his will. He told them to go into the, to the cities and what they would do. The places that Jesus was going to visit... He sent his disciples, all 72 of them, two by two, into all of these areas in advance of him to prepare the way for him. So then when Jesus moved into the area, they would have already heard the gospel. And so the disciples one day came back, the 70 came back one day so excited because continually... The devils were subject to them. And what they meant by that, they would lay hands on the sick and people would get healed. They would cast out devils and the devils would leave. Would leave. And it was something that they, they could see Jesus doing it, but they were doing it themselves. And the reason why they were able to do that is because he empowered them to do so. As a little side, but I want to ask this question. That was before Jesus Christ gave his life. That was before the Holy Ghost came. Now, if they could do such things before the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, why is it that we don't see more of those sort of things take place in the church today? It's because we choose to do things our way and not God's way. So all those things are done through the Spirit of God. We're not going to get into it today. Maybe next time we have an opportunity to share with you but you see that unfold in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 all the gifts all the things of God they're administered to by the spirit of God but we don't when we don't when, when we don't even give any credence to the Holy Spirit we don't allow him to to rest or rule in any area of our life but then we want his power manifested in or through our lives 
not going to happen. But anyway, uh, uh, Luke 10 and 17 says this. Now, the 70 is coming back. And so it says, and the 70 returned again with joy, which means it had to happen before, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Notice it through thy name, through the authority of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and, listen to this, over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the, spirit are, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven so God has already empowered us to act and function and accomplish certain things the key here is on his behalf not ours so a part of the reason why we don't see more manifesting in our lives is because self is preeminent we want to do things our way we want things done our way now but if you want to see the power of God manifested in your life you got to subordinate your will to his will and you got to do that consistently because if you do it sporadically, it means that you haven't done it in the first place. It's like we were sharing in, in Bible study Wednesday. Partial obedience is total disobedience. So the thing we got to understand is that God has already empowered us. You don't have to wait on power or what have you. You got to see why you're not operating in the power that God has already given us. And, the, and the, it could be doubt and unbelief on the part of some, but I think on a part of many is because we haven't totally surrendered our lives to the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 23, we got to understand that whenever we do something, we got to make sure that we do it with all of our heart. You got to tune your heart to excellence. And uh, let's go and read the scripture. Uh, Colossians 3 and 23 says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So you got to do whatever you do with excellence. You got to do whatever you do to the Lord, not to be seen of people, not for yourself, not for remuneration or compensation or any of those things. You got to do it for the Lord. And when you do it for the Lord, it doesn't matter whether or not, you know, you succeed or not in your mind. What matters is whether or not you did what God called you to do and told you to do, and you did it with excellence. You did it well. That's what's important. When you do that, then you'll do it according to the plan of God. See, sometimes you do exactly what God tells you to do and seem like it just didn't turn out right. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you and I praise you, Lord, for your trust and your confidence that you've placed within us. You have indeed empowered us, Lord, to execute your will here in the earth. Help us, Lord, to do so. Lord, everyone under the sound of my voice, you have a plan for their lives. You have a call. You have a charge. You have a destiny, Lord, for everyone under the sound of my voice. But many, Lord, do not know you as Lord and Savior of their lives. But in order for them to fully execute your plan, they have to embrace you they have to accept you as lord of their lives lord i ask that you will 
prick their hearts, touch their hearts, that they will accept you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord. Lord, you said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sins. And, and we know that we have sinned because you said in your word and you do not lie. You said all have sinned and fallen short of your glory. But you said, Lord, if we confess our sins, you will forgive us of our sins. You said that you will take our sins and you will cast them as far as the east is from the west, which means east and west never meet. East and west is impossible for them to meet. And you said that's what you would do with our sins. Just like if you travel east, you will never go west. And if you travel west, you'll never go east. The two never meet. North and south meets, but east and west doesn't. You said that you will cast our sins from the east to the west, which means you will never hold those things against us again. And you said wherever our sin abound, your grace will much, will much more abound. So it doesn't matter what we've done, how long we've been doing it, or to what extent or how horrific it might have, if that sin might have been. You said you would forgive us. You said that you so love us. You so love this world. That you gave your only begotten son. So that if I or whosoever believe in you will not perish but have everlasting life. I ask you Lord to touch every heart that do not know you as Lord and Savior of their lives. Everyone that do not have that relationship with you that they need. I ask that you will save them. Look at their heart Lord if there is that heart of repentance. I ask that you will save them Lord. You tell us, you instruct us to repent and believe the gospel. But you said, how can they hear without the preacher? And how can he preach unless he's sent, Lord? You sent me to preach this word, Lord. I've given your word to your people. Touch your people's heart, Lord, that they will accept and embrace your word. Father, I do thank you and I praise you for it. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today's meal was a blessing to you. If you are a serious Christian looking for a place to worship, fellowship, and fulfill God's call upon your life, consider Christ Church for the end times. And don't forget to join us on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our weekly church service. The church is located at 1910 Norwich Street in Brunswick, Georgia. You can also reach us online at sundayssupperonline.org. That's sundayssupperonline.org. You can also tune us in on your iHeartRadio app. So until next week, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may God's richest blessing always be upon you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.